0: Kofi, hello and welcome to Exposit the Word.
1: Thanks for having me, David. Great to be
0: here. So, Kofi, help me out with your full name.
1: Right. So, well, this is, this is where the inter- interview is going to start getting interesting already because
2: <laughs> my full name is not Kofi Edubohan. Okay. My full name is Douglas Kofi
1: Eduboahen. Douglas is my first name. Yeah. Kofi is actually my middle name. Um, But when I was, I want to say, 21, I decided to start going by my middle name and so... Most people, to, more people today know me as Kofi than do as Douglas. So. Okay,
0: so it's Douglas Kofi. And then say your surname again. Eddie Brohan. Eddie Brohan. Brohan. Yeah? Eddie Brohan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is bringing back bad memories. I, I done an interview with John Frame a couple of months ago, and it was on his latest book. And I couldn't say philosophy. <laughs> it took me about fifth, it took me about fifteen attempts, and John Frame was just so patient on the other end of the line while I was trying to spit it out. It's uh, yeah, not my finest moment. <laughs> yeah. So Kofi, you're a bit of a legend on social media uh, for the people that don't follow you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well. Oh, that's the first I don't think I've ever been called a legend on social media so <laughs> that's fun
2: <laughs>
1: um so uh Kofi Edwine I am 29 years old um for those who are listening if you hear an accent it's because I'm originally from London yeah uh, born and re- born and raised in London moved to the U.S. in 2017 when I got married uh, married to Laura um we have a son on the way uh yeah little gareth be lord willing will arrive sometime in may yeah so yeah that's my life and uh, ministry wise i'm on the church planting team for a church plant here in southern
0: oregon that's awesome man so with your accent i can imagine that you're very popular in america right because um our american brothers and sisters they love the english accent uh when i first got here the amount of times
1: i get people say oh my god i love your accent it's like (laughs) (laughs) okay um thank you i guess
0: (laughs) (laughs) see because because you know accents you you obviously know that i'm south london and and sound like a bit of a cockney whereas when i speak to one of our brothers in america when i'm interviewing they they think i sound like hugh grant so i absolutely love it i take i take those compliments all day long but you obviously know different kofi right well i mean it's great to begin with
1: but when you've been here almost three years after a while you're just like Okay, guys. Yes, I have an accent. Let's move forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, the important questions. Can you still get a nice cup of tea and a portion of chips when you want them? Um,
1: Cup of tea, yes. But that's only because I buy PG tips when I'm back in the UK. So, can
0: do that. Yeah. Fish and chips? Um, Well, the nature of my
1: diet being what it is now, I can't eat fish and chips anymore. Okay. Um, but, yeah, actually, that's not too hard to find out here. There was a place when I did. Um, so my parents they all live up in Washington, yeah. and they live not too far from the coast. There was a really great fish and chip place there. I was like, this is good. Yeah. Um,
0: so <laughs>
1: it's, it's possible to find it, just go look a
0: little hard. Okay, so what diet are you on then, Kofi? Oh, I'm
1: doing the whole keto diet. So ah, okay. Um, out goes potatoes, out goes anything breaded pretty much, so there goes fish and chips.
0: Can you have the fish? I
1: can have in, I could have the fish, you just have to be careful of what it's breaded in, but okay. in theory, I could have.
0: The fish. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So, you used to blog at Fiery Logic, um, but I don't think you do that anymore, do you? No, I like to describe myself as being semi retired from blogging. Okay. It's not because I don't enjoy writing, I really do. Yeah. It's just, I've got so many things
1: going on, I just don't have the time to devote to it like I once did. You know, We'll see what happens with it. I mean, I'd, I'd love to pick up the pen and start writing again. We'll just have to see what happens with my life going forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that you're really busy. What sort of things are you up to? So
1: um, as I mentioned, we're involved in a church plant here in Southern Oregon that's been going on for about almost nine months. Yeah. So I'm kind of the administrator for that. So doing a bunch of admin for that, plus this new business I've just started, plus um, seminary, which is kind of on hold at the moment just because of what's happening with the church plant situation but planning on picking that up very soon so between seminary and church plant
0: and family and business doesn't leave a lot of time no yeah you sound busy okay and so if i if i'm right your pastor um is a graduate from master's seminary is that right
1: that's correct um our pastor parker ridden is a master's seminary grad did his Master of Divinity degree there, and then also stayed on to do a Doctor of Ministry degree
0: there. Okay, awesome. And where are you studying at the moment, Kofi? Although it's on hold, whereabouts are you studying?
1: Uh, so I'm studying with a school online called Forge Theological Seminary. Okay. Um, relatively new outfit, and you know their whole aim is to encourage you know being in the local church while you're getting the education. Yeah. So you get your education online, and then obviously you're serving in the local church and the aim is that it's the local church that will ultimately affirm and receive the ministry of their graduates so it's that's something i'm very passionate about which is pastoral training being in the local church um not disconnected from it and that's not to say that all seminaries are disconnected from it not at all but yeah. that's something i'm personally passionate about which is what drew me to studying with uh, forge
0: okay cool so take us back to the start how did you first become a christian so I was actually born in a
1: Christian family. Uh, My dad is a Pentecostal pastor, so Mm -hmm. I know we'll talk about that later, (laughs) I'm sure. Um, So my dad's a pastor. So I grew up around, you know, God, Jesus, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, definitely the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so um, growing up, you know, I had an awareness of those things, but the gospel was never really explicitly explained to me very much. Mm. And so... I guess if you were up until the age of about 14 if you kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said oh are you a Christian I would say of course I am and if you were to ask me why I would have said well I go to church like, my dad's involved in ministry eventually becomes a pastor um, you know we have like used to call them family devotions kind of like family worship every night yeah. you know yeah I'm a Christian I'm a good person I you know I obey my parents I'm respectful which looking back on it now it was just 100% moralism you know it, it wasn't Anything to do with the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and your know, Christ's righteousness being imputed to me, or anything like that. Mm. And so, like I said, it's not till about the age of, well, really the age of thirteen, when I start getting into trouble in school, um, and it becomes apparent to anybody who knows me that something's not right here. And so, in the midst of that, a uh, Sunday school teacher. Um, in the church I grew up in It kind of made it a personal mission of hers To personally share the gospel With each of the kids in the class yeah. And so She was not leaving any stone unturned mm-hmm. And so yeah. comes to you know Douglas as people knew me then And so comes to Douglas And regardless of whether My dad's the pastor or not Decides to share the gospel with me And initially my thinking was oh, Okay I mean I know all this My dad's the pastor after all You know, I've always been kind of an analytical and thoughtful person, so at the age of 13 I'm sitting there thinking about this, like, wait a minute I don't think I've ever heard this explained like this and I'm not sure if I've ever thought about it and so I would go back to her and ask questions, go back and forth, back and forth that was almost a, about six or seven months and so finally in March of 2005 really came under conviction of sin for the first time came under the awareness that I needed a saviour, personally that me being a good person wasn't cutting it yeah and so it was march of 2005 that i was finally converted um again through the witness of this sunday school teacher i went back to her and she you know she didn't go down the route of you know pray this prayer after me she was like no you talk to god in the words that come from your heart in this moment if god is indeed working in you then you speak to him Mm -hmm. and i did um funny enough to this day i still can't remember what i said that day (laughs) yeah i mean it's almost like i went onto autopilot i just started talking and apparently i didn't stop for like a good 10 minutes (laughs) but at the end of that i knew something was very different and the preceding well not the preceding the following weeks and months kind of made it apparent that okay something's really changed and i look back on that as yeah that was the moment i think i was converted
0: because obviously that was in a Pentecostal setting. Was you then at that point encouraged to start speaking in tongues and and obviously have a real emphasis on on the spiritual gifts? Um,
1: yeah, there was some of that very especially with my dad. I mean, my dad had heard these stories, and the, you know, there's a lot of apocryphal story hearing, unfortunately.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, my, my dad had heard these stories of um, you know. He, kids as young as six and seven you know speaking in tongues and all of that and so hey they were doing it you can do
2: it too (laughs) and you know so there, there was some pressure for that
1: and yeah for a season I did speak in tongues I look back on that and I still don't know what to make of it as to whether it was just suggestion or something else um but yeah there was a lot of pressure for that and my dad especially has always been on the more um how do I put this always been on the more vocal end of that whole discussion sure as relates to you know emphasizing the more miraculous things and you know kind of the spectacular and supernatural so that was more his emphasis and so yeah there was a lot of pressure towards that definitely
0: and how did your family react because obviously in their mind they was thinking that you was already um you know a christian how did they react to the fact that you'd gone home and said wow I, i really am a christian now Actually, they took it really well yeah. um, in high- Looking back at it, they took it really, really well um,
1: And I don't know whether this was to do with their general theology Believing that you could lose salvation and stuff like that to begin with Yeah, sure But I think they saw it as, as Particularly as they began to see like changes in my behavior And changes in um, you know, my dealings with people and what have you I think they were really excited by that, and they really—my dad especially—really encouraged it. Um, My mom was very supportive as well. So no, they actually took it really well. I, you know, I look back at them. I often wonder, hey, why didn't they say? But you're already a Christian. We know you're a Christian. I think they, I think they generally took it as, praise the Lord, He's really working in our child's life. Yeah,
0: yeah. What does a Pentecostal church look like in London? Uh, Ah, one thing I tell people
1: all the time is that um, because. Pentecostalism has more to do with a Theology than it does An expression, it can look very different So growing up The church I was in was actually very conservative We sang yeah, We sang praise and worship songs but we also Had a hymnal We sang at least two hymns every service There was some attempt To actually teaching the bible In fact the denomination I grew up in Which originated in Nigeria Um they were known for their emphasis on Bible teaching. And so I kind of grew up with an awareness of the importance of the Bible, even if I didn't always study it. And so our worship services looked, honestly, you could walk in in those days in the early 90s, really up until the yeah, late 90s even. I can still remember it. And our services didn't look any different to some of the independent evangelical churches I would later visit yeah. living in the UK. Yeah. So you had churches that looked like that. But then there were also people that, more the folks that my dad and our local church fraternized with, whose services were very extreme and you had everything from, you know, the mass speaking in tongues to people claiming to prophesy, the sort of slayings in the spirit, um, services that would go on for like three, four I've been in services that have gone on for five hours straight. Um, And they're all under the same umbrella because what unites them all is an experience, not necessarily a shared form of worship. So it can be really different. And I even saw a change in the church I grew up in as I got older to where it moved from being a much more traditional kind of service to a much more um, almost no holds barred experience at times.
0: Did you have much exposure to the prosperity gospel back then? Oh, yeah.
1: Um, and it's interesting. I don't think people in the church I grew up in would have called it the prosperity gospel. Mm. But a lot of the big names in that world were really popular. I mean, I I grew up just when what's now God TV was just getting started. Yeah. When um, it used to be called Christian Channel Europe. And... That was really the means by which they pumped in a bunch of that stuff often for the very first time mm. so I can still remember my dad first discovering the name Benny Hin and I believe you have had costi on yeah uh, to do an interview yeah um now I can remember the first time my dad first heard of Benny Hin and him being super excited that there was this guy who was you know taking you know God's healing power onto TV and he it's the stuff that was happening in our churches was now happening on TV in a big way, yeah. um, and of course, Kenneth Copeland was Kenneth Copeland started coming on, Creflo Dollar started coming on, Joyce Meyer started coming. So all these guys started to be pumped in and started to have an influence. Mm. But I don't think anyone would have said that they were personally adherents to the prosperity gospel as much as we're Pentecostals. But we're being very, very influenced by these people who, at least in that circle, are considered to be really strong teachers of the word.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so that's how that influence kind of came in, you know, as people wanted to, yeah, we want to hear the teaching of the word. And so, at least in the context I grew up in, that became the on-ramp for people getting into listening to the Kenneth Hagans and Kenneth Copelans and Orr Roberts and all these guys who are kind of mainstays in that world. mm
0: because of, obviously, like you said, it was being pumped into people's homes and people were probably reading their books offline at home. Did it mm-hmm. begin to change the pulpit? Mm-hmm. Did you start seeing the culture in the church you know, swing towards prosperity in terms of how people used to pray and, and their expectation with the Holy Spirit? Do you see that change at all?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so increasingly, as I got older, you begin to hear more and more and more conversation about... Um, God wants you to prosper. And you have to bear in mind the context I came out of as well. So I'm a, I am the second generation on from people who immigrated to the United Kingdom or to Europe or to America. Hmm. So my parents are, my mom was actually born in Scotland. That's a long story. (laughs) Um, But they're both essentially from Ghana both born and raised in, well, not born, but both raised in Ghana yeah. and then emigrated to the UK. So we're now, they're the first generation who emigrated over and now we're the kids who are the second generation. Mm. For my parents' generation, their emigration to the UK in particular was very difficult. They worked multiple jobs to be able to survive. Often they're working as, you know, in the US they use the phrase undocumented workers. That's what they were mm. um, by and large. Thankfully, my mom wasn't because she was born in Scotland. My dad was, so I had to work multiple jobs. And they had a really rough go of it, especially financially. Mm. So when you preach this message that says, well, God desires for you to prosper, God desires for you to be healthy and wealthy, then you preach it to that audience who've been through so much, they latch on to it because it's hope. And so what I began to see happen was more emphasis on God wanting to prosper us, more emphasis on money in our preaching, more emphasis on, you know, health and wealth. And though they didn't bring in all the theology that came with the Word of Faith movement and those guys, the prosperity piece and the healing piece really became essential parts of the message. And I began to watch that shift happen over time to where, so i grew up in what's considered the holiness pentecostal tradition mm-hmm. and so we often emphasized holiness of life sanctification as they understood it um, you know one of the verses i heard growing up all the time was hebrews 12:14 you know follow peace with everyone and holiness without which no one will see the lord
2: yeah.
1: so those were emphases but what i began to notice with time was that became less and less of an emphasis and the emphasis became more and more on your breakthrough your blessing receiving things from god that that kind of emphasis so it was a very subtle shift Mm. but it it was definitely a shift
0: at what point did your theology start to change then, kofi
1: yeah so i get converted at 14 Mm. um and you know i'm really excited about my you know faith and you know i began my dad being the pastor we're in church multiple nights a week anyway Mm. so i really start kind of diving you know headfirst into things and serving in my church and wanting to grow. And, you know, one of the, I kind of caught onto the fact that one of the fastest means for me to grow would be, well, I need to listen to more, you know, more of the word, you know, listen to more preaching from the word. Well, it just so happens we have Christian TV on all the time. (laughs) So, um, start listening to a bunch of the guys on there. Um, Creflo Dollar was a personal favorite of mine, if not my favorite. outright um and so i'm sitting there listening to this and so i'm just kind of merrily chuckling along listening to him and others um ingo's prominence about the age of 18 i got a laptop for the first time yeah and so i went from sharing a computer with my three siblings uh to having one of my own which was great
2: yeah big moment yeah
1: um okay I wonder if I can, like, listen to... Because I to listen to those shows on the way to school in the morning. And so I'm running out of time, as it were. Yeah. Uh, getting, getting ready in the morning, and I can't listen to so I have to rush out the house. And so I'm like, I wonder if I can, like, watch this stuff online. So jump on the internet, just start searching Creflo Dollar's name. And so I find his website. But before I find his website, I start seeing some articles um, in my search results talking about Creflo Dollar and the stuff that Um, you know, the stuff that he had preached and why there was biblical problems with it. And so, okay, I start reading this stuff, and I'm like, okay, I remember listening to that broadcast when he said this. I remember that. Yeah, I've heard him say, and after a while I was like, hmm, okay, these guys are making some good points. Maybe I need to, I didn't stop listening to them, but I started listening with much more of a critical ear. Mm and so the more I start the more I'm like hmm okay this I'm reading my bible as best I can this doesn't seem to match in some places and so um, there was one particular website back in the day that used to be really popular it was called Pulpit Pimps which kind of tells you how they viewed a lot of those guys Yeah. Um, a guy out in Maryland uh, Melvin Jones was his name and he was the proprietor of the website and I started just literally binge reading his stuff, and the more I read it, the more I couldn't find myself disagreeing with him. I was like, "Nope, he's right." That's a problem.
2: Yeah.
1: Because I'm like, these are the people who, to me, as a, I said 18. No, let's pull that back. I want to see more 16, 17 at this point. Yeah. Um. So I'm like 16, 17. I'm like, ah, oh. these are the guys who were kind of elevated in my circles as like heroes Mm. and people you should be listening to but the stuff they're saying doesn't seem to be biblical and after after a while it's like okay this stuff isn't biblical but the question then becomes well how do i find what is
2: Mm, yeah yeah
1: (laughs) because again this you have to bear in mind i'm a teenager who's just discovering that everything he's ever been told essentially has some question marks around it yeah um Well, in God's providence, I got a summer job working for a retired preacher. Um, This is while I was still living in Hackney. Um, He was friends with my mom. And so um, my mom was like, hey, I don't want you lazing around the house all summer. Um, (laughs) Reverend Nathaniel, his name was Nathaniel Ramshire. Um, Reverend Nathaniel needs stuff doing around this house. Are you going to go around there every day? And I hated the idea to begin with because like every other 16-year-old, the idea of a to just lay ladies around and do nothing sounds great. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but, again, my mom told me
1: to and coming from an African context, you can argue with lots of people, you don't argue with your parents. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like,
2: okay. So, over I went and so I'm doing like
1: odd jobs for him. Um, but remember, in the midst of this time, I'm still grappling with, okay, at this point, I don't know who to trust. I stopped watching Christian TV,
2: mm.
1: and I was like, okay, I don't know who to trust. Um, coming from London, Premier Radio is, or uh, well, Premier Radio, I should say, got um, some sound like an American now. <laughs> um, Premier Radio, as you know, if you've been around London, that's the Christian radio station in London. So unfortunately, a lot of those guys are on there too. So I stopped listening to that. So I'm just not getting any input apart from when I go to church on Sunday. But I'm still grappling with, okay, if that's what the, if that's not what the Bible teaches, but this is all the stuff that's around, what does the Bible teach? And I didn't know where to start. Yeah. Um, so I go and work for this retired preacher. Bear in mind, he's like in his 80s at this point. Mm. So there was a lot to do around the house. But I noticed one day that, you know, as I'm working on, he's sitting in his sort of living area, um... And he's just got his Bible and, you know, a piece of – like a notebook, you know, some paper. And he's just making some notes and studying. And so I was like, oh, right. Yeah, he's a preacher. I guess I could ask him, um, firstly, what does he believe? Yeah. And secondly, maybe I could ask him some of these questions I'm grappling with. So one day I go over there to do my errands with him and what have you. And so one day I was like, um – sir if i'm not if i'm bothering you please tell me to go away but can i ask you a couple of questions and he said um of course you can i was like okay sir what do you think about the so-called prosperity gospel um and i kind of saw a look in his eye like oh this could be interesting <laughs> yeah. and so he said um he was like how long do you have? <laughs> <Last> <laughs> I was like, Okay, someone else is thinking about this stuff. Okay. Yeah. This is good. I was like, um, well, can I finish up this job and then we can sit down and talk if that's okay? He's like, Absolutely. And so he sits me down and he says, I don't believe that's the gospel at all. I think that's actually a total I think the phrase he used at the time was, It was a total subversion of the gospel message. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. Um Would you like to expand on that answer? (laughs) And so he just... I think the first thing that kind of grabbed me was he just... Confidently took his Bible and just started walking me through... Passage after passage after passage. And I think that what impressed me was, one... Just his facility with his Bible. He knew his Bible well. yeah, And he knew how to answer me. And secondly, he was so confident in what he believed Scripture taught... That, you know, as a teenager, I'm looking at something... Okay... He's kind of comfortable in, you know, in himself. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. And so I was like, okay. He explains his answer about the prosperity gospel. What is it that you believe? And he says, well, um, I'm a Presbyterian. Now, I, as a Ghanaian, Presbyterianism has a very hallowed history with us because in a lot of ways, it was Presbyterianism that kind of built modern Ghana in a lot of ways, mm. which is where I'm, my parents are from originally. So mm. I hear Presbyterian, I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I've heard of those folks. And he's like, I'm a Presbyterian, um, I believe in the doctrines of grace, and I believe in the gospel. I'm like, the the doctrines of what? <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of laughed and said, <laughs> okay, um, your time for the day is almost getting done. I don't want your mother to be worried come back tomorrow and i'll explain what i mean and that was my introduction to reform theology as a teenager
2: wow
1: he would sit down with me eventually i just stopped doing errands for him um (laughs) because the entire time just became bible study yeah um but that really was the beginning of almost a two to three year relationship where um we'd sit down together and study the scriptures and he'd walk me through things. And, you know, I would, I wouldn't say argue with him, but I'd just be like, okay, but what about this? What about this? What about this? And the more I would ask, the more, you know, he was confident in saying, well, scripture says this, consider this. And I think one thing I also found endearing was when he didn't have an answer, he didn't feel the need to make one up. He would just say, you know, I haven't considered that. Yeah. Um, Let me go and study that and I'll get back to you. So there was a humility there married with this biblical knowledge. And so he starts, and he started really with the basics, started walking me through, you know, why we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And I had never given any thought to it. I was just told it was, and I'd never thought about why. Why the Bible is the Word of God, why we can trust it, why it's sufficient. You know, I can still remember where we were in his house when he first taught me about Sola Scriptura. And just being like, whoa, I'd never, it makes so much sense, but I'd never thought of it like that. That, yeah, if the scriptures are God speaking to us, which I did believe, and God's word is perfect, then it's, of course, it's sufficient. Of course, it's enough. (laughs) But then I start realizing, oh, that means this thing about, like, for example, words of prophecy, that really can't work. Not if I hold these two things to be, equally true I'm like hmm okay and so while he's kind of walking me through what I should believe I'm starting to realize more and more and more oh I'm not where I was finally I could put a word to it I'm not where I was theologically
2: yeah yeah
1: even a year ago yeah and so I found myself becoming much more of a reformed Christian I didn't he was very careful not to throw around too many labels and titles but that was essentially what he was kind of discipling me, in. yeah. And so that that was really how I ended up leaving Pentecostalism to, you know, where I am now theologically. And it was, you know, it was rough, both for me personally and in terms of my relationship, especially with my dad. Yeah. Because um, remember, my dad's my pastor. Yeah. So I've got to explain to my dad. Okay, dad there are some things that we do that I don't think are biblical, and here's why. I mean, try having that conversation when you're 67 years
2: old. Wow, yeah.
1: Um, And granted, I I look back on that time, and I don't think I always handled that as well as I could have. I think I tell people now, being a teenager is a great time to get settled in your theology, and it's also a terrible time because you don't have the wisdom to handle that rightly.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I was kind of obnoxious at times, which did not endear my dad to what I was trying to say at all. Yeah. Um, and I think with time, as I kind of grew out of that, I realized actually you need to be a good witness in addition to what you say. Mm. Um, that helped. And today my dad and I have a great relationship. But yeah, it was a really rough, I want to say, but there was a particular year and a half period where it was just very rough as, you know, I'm learning all these new things and I'm excited about what I'm learning, but it was more the implications of it for my own life personally and for my, you know, relationship involving in my church, eventually left my dad's church, which did not go over well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was, yeah, I want to say that was 2007, 2008. And so, yeah, that was kind of how I ended up leaving Pentecostalism and landed Pretty much where I am today.
0: Although using labels can be a bit of a distraction and danger sometimes as well, because you, you you use a term and somebody else will have a different understanding of what you know how you would use it and how they would use it. But would you would you call yourself a cessationist today, Kofi? Is that where you kind of sit today? Yeah, I, I would call myself a cessationist
1: today. Yeah. Um, and again, that's a label that I'm very very cautious in throwing around. Of course, yeah. Of course. Um, just because. You know, as you said, people hear that and come up with um, what they think you mean as a cessationist. Oh, so you think that God, you think the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything to Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly no, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe
0: that. Well, you've um, just taken the words out of my, my mouth because that was going to be my next question. So if there yeah. was somebody who was, you know, charismatic listening to this now, you know, they would probably um, have a generalisation that a cessationist doesn't believe in the holy spirit is often you know how i've heard that articulated can you just sort of walk us through what a cessationist actually is in terms of your understanding kofi can
1: you break it down for us Uh absolutely so i would argue that as a cessationist what i believe is that there were two categories of gifts that there were gifts for the establishing of the church
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and that there are gifts for the ongoing edification of the church yeah that some of those gifts that I would consider to be establishment gifts or to use the standard terminology sign gifts were given to the Apostles to Accredit and to validate the message that they were preaching mm. There's a reason why Jesus refers to it as signs would be following Yeah, be everything if, you think, if putting aside what people think about mark 16 for a moment that language of signs following is important it's as you're preaching these are the signs these are the things that will point to your message being true i argue that on the basis of a number of biblical passages ephesians 2 ephesians 4 uh, 1 corinthians 3 that those gifts were foundational. that once the foundation of the church had been laid through the apostles ministry those gifts are no longer operative today in a normative sense yeah now with some of my cessationist colleagues, I get in trouble because I don't necessarily believe that in pioneer contexts, so someone's going to an unreached people group, can those things happen? Yeah, I, I don't have a issue saying that because I don't think that's what the cessationist, continuationist debate is about. Mm. we're talking about in established local churches, are these gifts normative for today? And I would say, no, they aren't. And so, as a cessationist, that's what I mean. Yeah. What I don't mean is that the Holy Spirit has ceased functioning in the world. Hmm. Absolutely not. Because if He stopped functioning, nobody would get saved.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And said, as a reformed Christian, my understanding of salvation is that it's all of God, and so the Holy Spirit has to regenerate, has to, to apply the work of the Son to the people that the Father has chosen. Without the holy spirit there could be no salvation there could be no spiritual growth we would be preaching the gospel in vain if the holy spirit was not active today so i absolutely believe in the ministry of the spirit today i also believe that there are a great many spiritual gifts that are still operative today Hmm. and so as a cessationist it's not that i don't believe the holy spirit works today i simply believe that the holy spirit worked in a particular way for the foundation of the church and that now that that foundation period has passed, the Holy Spirit is working in a different way with the church today.
0: We, we live in an age, especially with Twitter, and, and I, know, I know obviously you're very active on Twitter. We can so easily make secondary things become the main thing, right? And, we, you know, you end up losing Absolutely. fellowship over this. You've obviously come from a family where you've, you know, you've been divided by theology and you've managed to navigate uh-huh. yourself through that. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who's going through a similar thing at the moment, Kofi?
1: oh man um i guess my first big piece of advice i have to start here Mm. do not divorce your word from your witness Mm. do not become the person who has great theology and is a terrible human being Mm -hmm. Mm. i look back on you know those years as a you know younger as a younger man and how i handled my relationship with my dad and i do have a lot of regrets about that because in my passion with all these things that I was learning and wanting to refute the errors, I was very unloving at times. Mm -hmm. I was very caustic. I already have a naturally sarcastic bent to me as a person. Mm -hmm. And so some of that really came to the fore. I think my dad a number of times called me disrespectful and I look back on it and yeah, uh, he was right. There Mm -hmm. were times I was definitely being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And so... Don't divorce your word from your witness. Second of all, don't make it about personalities. This is a trap that I did fall into, excuse me, growing up. I often made it about particular people. So, my dad, one of my dad's favorite guys, like I said earlier, was Benny Hinn. Hmm. Benny Hinn's a heretic. Blah, 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 blah. No, I do think Benny Hinn's a heretic. I'm not going to mince words about that one. I do think that. Hmm. But, in making it about people and particularly people that are very loved and cherished what people see is oh you're attacking a person Mm. rather than i think if i have my chance to do over again i would start with well what does the bible say about this issue yeah and that's not to say that we don't address personalities but that's secondary to let's teach the truth first let's see from scripture what the truth is let's establish what the authority is which is the word of God mm. once you've established what the authority is then we can start talking about our relationship with various people and how we deal with those groups mm. so don't divorce your word from your witness make scripture the authority and I'll say third just be patient Um, I think sometimes those of us who Trying to encounter people who have these varying views and uh, subjects like that, our temptation is to think that if they don't get it immediately, then they're never going to get it. It's like, no, some people need to grapple with this stuff. Hmm. You can't, um, you can't essentially throw a grenade into someone's theological world and expect them to be fine. Like, no, if even if they hear what you're saying, they need time to process. They need time to grapple with it. They need time to be able to come back to you. And come back with their questions, which is why that first point of your word and witness are so important. If they pick up from you an impatience and a inability to be to have a conversation with you, essentially, mm. um, if they pick that up, they're more than likely not going to come back. To you. Yeah, but if they see that there's a patience, there's a willingness to have the conversation and to see where they're coming from that yields so much more fruit in the long run. So, yeah, yeah those would be my three big things. Yes. Yeah, so Don't good. divorce your word and your witness, make scripture your authority, and just be
0: patient. There's a lot of wisdom there, Kofi. Very, very good. Um, I want to pick up on something you've touched on twice now. Um, we, uh-huh. we can very very easily throw a hand grenade and walk off without realizing what we're leaving and behind us sometimes and when we call out Ah. false teachers i know it was your experience you know you realized that creflo dollar wasn't great and didn't know where to go next that was my experience as well and i think without even realizing but i've realized it as you've been talking that that was the real reason why we created exposit the word in terms of um, uh-huh. you know, we've got so many great discernment ministries out there that are bold and calling people out. But then we can we can leave people sometimes in terms of if you've been following one of these people for a long time, it's like, OK, I understand this person's a false teacher. Now what? And not everyone's blessed like you uh-huh. was to have a six week holiday being discipled by a, you know, a, a, a kind, wise, older person. And the 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 real um, blessing with Exposite the Word is we're pointing people towards 66 sound biblical expositors you know and and Uh it, it fills us with a lot of confidence that you know that 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 can be a really helpful resource going forward right
1: absolutely you touched on something that i think is very important which is once people come out of um whatever group they're in and we're kind of talking about you know kind of word of faith um prosperity gospel type but any number of beliefs yeah that you know people kind of You know, navigate their way out. Yeah. The danger is you start to view everything through. And I had a little bit of a season like this, and I was, you know, again blessed to have for almost three. Our relationship, myself and, you know, that pastor, Pastor Nathaniel. Mm. You know, our relationship went on for about three years before he went home to be with the Lord. Yeah. And so, I I'd constantly be like, oh, I just came across this ridiculous thing. This person. I remember one time he sat me down and said, um. His name for every, so like I said, he was in his 80s. His name for everybody under 60 was Boy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was kind of funny to watch. Um, It was like, Boy, let me explain something to you. Your entire life cannot be consumed with how much you dislike so and so person from so and so movement. Yeah. This is at some point, you are going to need to, you know, you are going to need to be able to have beliefs that are not defined by other people and I was like oh it took me a minute I was like I guess I can't argue with him he's kind of right yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't let my theology just be defined by what I'm against I need to know why I actually believe Yeah. and no, praise the Lord he's been doing a great job of that teaching me how to study the scriptures and to you know how to dig deep into theology and what have you um, but i agree with you i think there needs to be a willingness not just to point out the error mm. but to also say now here's the truth here's how you get grounded in the faith so that you in the words of the who song you don't get fooled again yeah um yeah for that to happen you need to ground people in the truth And i think that's where websites like yours are doing a great work of encouraging people to get into the bible and to think about what it is that the bible teaches yeah
0: you was 14 15 when you was in Sunday school and you had the gospel revealed to you. If, if it was a, a 14, 15-year-old listening right now, um, what would you say to them in terms of encouraging them to follow Jesus right now?
1: Wow, that's a great question. I would want to start with, well, it depends. If we're dealing with somebody who's grown up in church, mm. I guess I'd have one thing to say to them. And someone who hadn't grown up in church I had something else to say, they both end in the same place, but I think my starting points would be very different. Mm. So, in my case, I grew up in church, I, like I said, grew up in church, grew up you know, a little self assured that I knew all this stuff. Um, and what I needed to hear at that age was firstly, I need to hear just the gospel message, period, mm. but also not to assume that my church attendance and being really polite to everyone and all of those things, that those things in and of themselves would guarantee me a place with God. Hmm. That That would guarantee that, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven just because I turn up and go to church. Like That's not how that works. And I think it's a very dangerous thing if we kind of start with That as a set of beliefs versus, well, the only ground of standing I have before God is Christ's righteousness, which is given to me by faith um, in believing the gospel. Mm. And so for the person who's grown up in church and is probably just a really good moralistic person, I'd want to start there. Mm. That you can't put your trust in that. That's not what's going to save you i think for the person who's not a, the teenager who's not a christian who knows they're not a christian i think i'd want to start somewhere a little differently and i'd want to ask them to just consider their own life whether they're a really good moral person or they're somebody who isn't and know they aren't look at your own life and ask this question if you were to die today what would be the reason that god should allow you to enter into his presence for eternity why should God allow you into heaven if you're looking at your life right now? Hmm. And that's the aim of that question is not to, well, then that means I need to go and clean up my life. And that's not the issue. I think hmm. what's more important is there's nothing in you that should be your standing of evidence to go before God and say, you should let me into your your presence. Hmm. That's why God sent his son. Yeah. Because, man, we. Uh, one of my favorite songs um, says, we stood neath a debt that we couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. Like we are underneath this debt of sin, and at that point, you'd want to get into the discussion of well, what is sin? Well, for, to understand that, you need to ask who God is, because God is the, God is the one who determines what is sin and what isn't. So, who is God? Who uh, Who am I as a human being? Well, created in the image of God, but now fallen and sinful. Mm-hmm. Okay, if that's the case, well, what does sin lead to? Well, sin leads to death. Romans six twenty three. Well if that's true then how do i get from how do i get out from underneath this debt Mm. if Mm. the wages of sin is death how do i get out from underneath that well god sent his son jesus christ who lived the life that we couldn't live and died a death that we rightly deserved so that we would be freed from that penalty of sin that was hanging over us and that's the message for both of those groups regardless whether it's the church going person or the non-church going person yeah That's the gospel message. And I guess my entry points would be different, but we want to get to that core message.
0: Kofi, this time has absolutely flown by. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and getting to know you. We're going to have to do this again sometime, mate.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Absolutely.